Hello and welcome to Kane and Rin's Sound of Play 108. Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 108 is Leah Haydu. Hey, what's going on? Hey, we've got a bunch of great music today, and I am expecting some JRPG music as well. I mean, I, <laughs> there's it's actually a theme to what I've chosen to that I will, uh, I, I, will, I will explain when we get there. <laughs> Very good. Well, I thought I would uh, counterbalance that <laughs> with the opposite of the JRPG, the Warfare Shooter. <laughs> I've been playing Battlefield 1 a little bit recently uh, because I got Origin Access on my PC for Titanfall 2. Because that went, didn't go free. It, it became included with the EA Origin Access Vault. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and I thought, you know, for $5, then I could probably get through Titanfall and Battlefield in a month. I, I beat Titanfall 2, and I've uh, put a little bit of time into Battlefield 1 so far. I've been enjoying it mostly. It's been a really long time, I'm realizing, since I've played like an actual first-person shooter. Yeah, like, I gosh. tend to like those types of games, but, you know, it's it's just been a I while. I enjoy them, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't tend to... I have a copy of Titanfall 2 just because I've heard mm -hmm. such good things about it. Uh, I've never actually played a Battlefield game. I, I kind of go off and on with I, I enjoy the Halo games. I, I, I'm thinking maybe the well, that's not even a first person shooter. I was going to say Gears of War, but that's third person. So mm, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was thinking back and all the first person shooters that I can remember playing recently are like 
lovely planet and mm -hmm. stranger's wrath and stuff like that where it's like eh, it doesn't really technically fit yes in but with the, yeah yeah modern warfare aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> not quite i was really impressed with battlefield one when i booted it up with how good the music is throughout the game it definitely stood out as, some, as something really special and so I'm, I'm bringing the theme song from this game just called battlefield one it incorporates some of the classic battlefield tune that that motif that comes up mm. after, uh, game and game again uh, which goes all the way back to the very beginning in battlefield 1942 i think was the first one i remember playing that back when i was younger as well just a little bit not not a ton but i i enjoyed that one i've always liked that tune I've liked how they've brought it back and modernized it in various different Battlefield games. And just to have this kind of a reoccurring musical motif that keeps coming back is, is fun. And it's, it's kind of subtly worked in here. It is kind of interesting that uh, many shooters, bigger budget shooters, tend to go kind of one of two ways with their soundtracks. Either they go kind of the very hard rock, you know, very, mm. very let's go and kill some aliens or whatever. People, Nazis, get kill him uh, or it kind of goes towards the uh the big like orchestral bombastic type of score mm -hmm. that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a war themed game but it it does seem to fit really well just because it's it it is so big and so kind of demanding of your attention i think it kind of calls back to the war movies like saving mm, yes. private ryan and Band of Brothers and Dunkirk recently. Mm. It would be interesting to, I'm sure it's been done. I just can't think of any examples off the top of my head to have more like period appropriate music for whenever these wars are taking place. Mm. World War One, World War Two, especially. I think Wolfenstein kind of went in that direction, didn't it? Oh, okay. Well, with uh, yeah. with some of the, I, I have, I've only watched a little mm -hmm. bit of uh, the uh, newer Wolfenstein game and I haven't uh, actually played any of it myself, but I do know that they uh, they brought in some of the kind of twisted versions of the yeah. tracks, um, <laughs> and that that I think is a really interesting approach. Yeah, the kind of alternate history. Yeah, take. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Moving on to a different game, which I have also enjoyed greatly in just this last year as well. Why don't you introduce this piece from the new Near? So I did mention that um, there was kind of a theme to what I had chosen for uh, for my Sound of Play picks this time around. And the theme is uh, pretty simple, actually. It's just the games that I've been playing most recently. The first track that I have chosen is from uh, Near Automata. Is it Automata or Automata? I, I've heard different people pronouncing it different ways. I, I think if you generally just kind of communicate which game we're talking about, Probably people aren't going to get yes. <laughs> too upset about that. <laughs> but uh, this is from Near Automata, and um, <laughs> it uh, it um, is a sequel to uh, the original Near, which in turn is a kind of sequel to the Drakengard games. Mm -hmm. um, they're all in the same universe, and there are some there are some definite connections. Uh, I've only played Drakengard 3. I have not played the first two, but uh, even so, I have found some uh, kind of Easter eggs and, and things to look at in uh, both for the original Nier game and for uh, that Drakengard game that I played through this game so far. I have not finished the game completely. Um, there are multiple endings. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. remember how many endings there are, but I believe that there are five big main endings. Um, so... Yeah, I, kind of. It requires kind of, yes. <laughs> it requires playing through the game three times, mm -hmm. and then it gives you kind of like a choice ending at the end that you can right. kind of easily reverse, so you don't have to go through the entire thing again to to get that mm -hmm. extra ending. And then there's a let's call it a special credit sequence. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some weird stuff towards right. the end of Nier. Yeah, <laughs> ha having played uh, through the first Nier and loving it completely, mm -hmm. um, this this. It's not the same kind of weird exactly, but it definitely is um, quirky in a way that I would have expected from the people um, who made the the original game. Um, yeah. But I I am um, relatively short distance into the second full playthrough, uh, so I've seen the first major ending and gotten a couple of the little side ones along the way, and I'm playing through my second time. I'm really enjoying it, um, and this. Uh, tune that I have chosen. It's called City Ruins uh, by Keiichi Okabe. And uh, it is the uh, one of the main pieces that plays when you're just kind of running around the world, um, particularly towards the beginning of the game. Um, something that's that I find really interesting about the um, 
about the soundtrack to this game is that if you're listening to actually the the pieces that they play, there are multiple versions of each one and they're all they're not remixes per se. They are more like layers. So there will mm-hmm. be um, if you are maybe in a cutscene or someplace where uh, the, the dialogue or something is happening that you should pay closer attention to, then the music might be a little bit lighter and then it'll layer vocals on it or it'll layer vocals and more instrumentation and get it kind of louder. But it's all the same song. It's just different levels sort of of that uh, of that same song. Uh, so the one that I've chosen is uh, kind of the middle version of uh, the theme uh, that you'll hear when you're running around and um, and completing side quests and uh, kind of exploring the world. Uh, I heard a lot of this tune and it would get stuck in my head. And um, mm. actually, just before this recording, I was playing um, I was playing a bit of Nier and um, listening to this very song as I was completing my quest. So uh, I thought that it would uh, it would fit right in. Yeah, this is a nice track. It kind of fits with the compositional style that people mm. have come to expect from the first game as well with that really kind of like light and airy instrumentation and the, the voice singing over it. I feel like I've heard it too much. Yeah, that is <laughs> you know, true. It's one of yes. those video game pieces where you do hear an awful lot of it. Yeah. Um, I, I love Nier Automata and I just really enjoyed all my time that I spent with the game and all the weird discoveries I would make throughout. Mm-hmm. It's one of those games where there's so many layers of things to discover that yes. it feels like there are moments when you've like really just you've done something wrong and have <laughs> peaked four chapters forward in the mm-hmm. story or you might be the only person to ever, you know, discover this exact combination of of things going on in the world and it feels really unpredictable and alive i'm glad that this game has gotten so much attention uh mm-hmm. because it feels like I, I i didn't play the original near until several years after it had already been out and i i'm not sure but i got the impression that it was kind of a cult thing it wasn't very mm-hmm. yeah, uh, very mainstream popular uh type of thing um and this has while i still wouldn't necessarily call it mainstream it's certainly gotten a lot of attention um a, a lot of larger outlets have been uh talking about it and i think it's going to come up in some game of the year things uh later on uh, in yeah. a few months here and uh i really like that uh, I, this is not a game that runs by a familiar formula really uh it mm-hmm. it it has a lot going on that you can miss you could play through it one time and it would be a complete game but if you don't keep going then there's so much more there so i i I think it's fascinating how it's put together, mm-hmm. and I'm glad. Um, I, I hope that this leads to more like it as well. Well, let's listen to City Ruins by Keiichi Okabe from Near Automata.
Speaking of PlayStation 4 exclusive strange Japanese games that have been uh, making a mark in the American audience in a way that uh, people might not have expected, <laughs> here's one from Yakuza Zero. This is a request from the forum from K Sub Zero 1000 who says the localized version, don't know the name, sorry. Personally, I vastly prefer the original in terms of style and how it manages to set the zany yet dark and heavy mood so perfectly. But maybe this comparison could lead to a nice discussion about the merits and drawbacks of the localization of game soundtracks. Actually, K-Sub-Zero, we've got you covered. We have a <laughs> special in a couple of sounds of play here about the Sonic the Hedgehog series where there's uh, quite a bit of differences between regional versions Ooh, yeah. and uh, the different versions on the different consoles. And so, um, yeah, we will get into that more there. But I am uh, less familiar with the differences between the Japanese and American versions of Yakuza Zero, where this uh, this song is from. But uh, this does have a very heavy, very, you know, rock and guitar sound mm-hmm. to it. And so I'm, I'm curious now to hear what the Japanese version sounds like. Yeah, I, I um, again, I haven't actually played um, more than a little, very little bit of, uh, of Yakuza Zero myself. Um, it's on my giant pile of games that mm-hmm. I have not yet played, but very much want to. Um, but it uh, listening to this track, this is kind of what I was talking about uh, back with the Battlefield 1 thing where, you, you know, you will sometimes hear the uh, the kind of stereotypical super rock guitar. And uh, yeah, this this is kind of what I was thinking of there. Uh, I, I I find the localization process to be fascinating in processes or in, uh, in situations like this. Um, I don't know much about yakuza specifically but i uh yeah that would that would really be a fascinating thing to look at specifically i wonder how much they do get changed i play a lot of japanese games and a lot of jrpgs specifically but i i don't know much about the soundtracks and how those get changed or how frequently that uh that is uh the case i I noticed that a lot of jrpg soundtracks feature a lot of english language vocals Mm -hmm. And even games where you would think that they would be written in Japanese first, like the Parappa the Rapper series, like it's kind of surprising that they just kind of default to English. And so maybe it's less of a priority to have native language songs and and music and even voiceover sometimes in the Japanese region than it is over here. 
Yeah, I can see that. I I think that it's also I I think it's a lot more likely to find a Japanese audience who has some familiarity with the English language than it is mm-hmm. to find a an English speaking audience that has familiarity with the Japanese language. That is a broad stereotype, but I think it's probably <laughs> uh, I I think that it's probably the case. Just judging from uh, the impressions that I've gotten. Yeah, I would expect that to be true. Mm. Well, this is the English intro, We Don't Know Who Composed It, from Yakuza 0 on the PlayStation 4. PlayStation 3, I'm getting a note here. Hmm, maybe uh, maybe not the American version. I thought Yakuza 0 was a PlayStation 4 exclusive over I here. I thought it was too, but it's possible. Yeah, like you said, it's possible that it was uh, in, in other territories, possibly right. PS3.
that we have another song here that we do not know the composer for. <laughs> Uh, because this particular song from this particular game is a bit of an oddity as far as releases go. <laughs> this game was included in one of those like bundles, however, like 100 games in one cartridge carts that they put on the NES. And uh, this one was a part of a collection called Action 52 on the Genesis and the NES, which included 52 games, most of which were pretty unremarkable. But the first Cheetah Men was on the Action 52 cart, and there was a Cheetah Men 2 in production, but that never got released. But, you know, years later, I guess ROMs or bootleg carts of Cheetah Men 2 ended up leaking. I don't know who composed this very famous now theme song <laughs> from Cheetah Men 2, but it was maybe Mario Gonzalez, Javier Perez, Ed Bogas, Mark Stephen Miller, or Jason Schur, some combination of those folks, because <laughs> they composed for Action 52. So it's possible that the same team would have composed for this Cheetah Men standalone sequel. But as far as I can tell, this was Active Enterprises wanted to create mascots that could rival the Ninja Turtles. And so they uh, came up with these humanoid cheetah characters. And from what I can tell, the game itself is nothing all that special. But I think this song kind of caught an audience. I, I don't remember if it was from the Overclocked Remix community I think kind of tossed it around a bit. I think the Angry Video Game Nerd did a memorable segment about this song. But yeah, it's it's been a, a kind of a popular pick in the video gaming space for a while. Well, you already answered my question, which was going to be, was there a Cheetah Men 1? So um, <laughs> yeah, this, this is a it, it's it's catchy. I, I like this particular era of music when it's uh, when it's done well. And uh, this this. I mean, the game may not be anything great, or uh, it may be a masterpiece. I don't know. I haven't played it, but um, mm. the uh, the track itself is great. So let's listen to the theme song from Cheetah Men 2. Next track is another request from the forum. This comes from Kintaris, who says, A lot of people were upset about Mass Effect 3, in particular because they didn't like the ending. I wasn't one of them. I got the exact ending I wanted. It just wasn't at the end of the game. By far the most interesting story arc, the one that kept me emotionally invested throughout, was the Krogan genophage and the search for a cure. From the tent showdown with Rex in the first game, through Morden's soul-searching in the second, 
the genophage arc has always captured the sense of personal and galactic consequence perfectly. The conclusion of the storyline in Mass Effect 3 was no different, wrapping things up with a considerable amount of respect of the characters involved, not to mention the player's choice throughout the series. This was the moment that brought a tear to my eye. The track, Vigil, from the original Mass Effect, gets a reprise in one of the final cutscenes of this arc, provided you made a certain choice that I won't spoil here. When you meet Vigil in the first game, this music supplements the striking sense of the passage of time, and how the decisions of the Protheans continue to shape the fate of the galaxy 50,000 years later. As the music played during the conclusion of the Genophage arc, I was struck once again by the feeling of consequence, as I wondered how my choices in Tuchanka would continue to shape the galaxy another 50,000 years into the future. Yes, this is Vigil by Jack Wall and Sam Hulick from the original Mass Effect back in 2007. Leah, are you a Mass Effect fan? I know that you tend to like your RPGs to have a J in front of them. I do, but um, Ma- actually Mass Effect was one of the first series that um, fell into the RPG uh, kind of bucket uh, that wasn't a JRPG that I got pretty into. Uh, and I-, I enjoyed Mass Effect. Now, I've- I have only played and I will only play through each game one time because that was mm-hmm. my shepherd and that was the story. And I-, I feel like it would be wrong to do it again. But I, I did enjoy the Mass Effect games quite a bit. And I, I was not among those who had a huge problem with the ending of Mass Effect 3. I, I didn't think that it was particularly spectacular, but I, I was not ranting and raving on forums about it either. So uh, I guess I, I, I was satisfied enough with it. I don't remember this particular song that much. Hmm. Um, I, I I got Rex killed in the first game. Um, so I, I mean, that does not end the Genophage arc, but it does uh, draw that particular element out of it. So um, it is I don't think that it hit me quite as hard as it did um, Kentaris, but um, I I do think that there are a lot of things in the Mass Effect series that that can have that effect on people. So I, I think that the music is uh, is a perfectly good choice here. I do really like this song. It brings back a lot of memories, especially of the first game, because mm-hmm. I think it allowed itself to lean a little bit heavier onto its RPG side and go a little bit slower rather than the later games, which tried to turn into more of like an action type of adventure. I really like this sound. It's just a backdrop for just drifting through space. I mean, they have Jack Wall on that, and so it's kind of a mm-hmm. perfect combination there as far as that goes. But uh, yeah, just this, the kind of slowness, the emptiness of space, the kind of the vastness of everything around you, and the impossibility of being a noticeable force on the scale of the universe. And, you know, the fact that you end up overcoming those galactic odds and, and becoming a hero is 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 kind of cool. But I, I do like these moments where it reminds you how small you are and how enormous and endless the universe is. Yeah. And so this is the song Vigil from Mass Effect.
So we're going back in the games that you've been playing recently. Is this the first time that you are playing through Bloodborne? So I, <laughs> uh, I did not expect to get as into Bloodborne as I did. Um, <laughs> I didn't play it in 2015 when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did start playing it on... Uh, it was not an extra life stream, but it was a stream uh, that uh, Elaine and I uh, did. I started it and then I kind of stopped and came back a, a considerable amount of time later and just got super, super into Bloodborne. And then I got to the end and I watched the ending and I thought, I'm not done with this yet. So now I am, um, I, I, <laughs> I found the game clock and I kind of wish I hadn't. I'm 76 hours into Bloodborne now. Mm. I am um, most of the way through the... Uh, chalice dungeons. Um, I'm. I've decided that I think I want a platinum trophy. So um, I'm. Mm, wow. Yeah. I. Well. I've. I've gone so far already, but I. Uh, I'm in the last. The last chalice dungeon that you need in order to do that uh, on a new game plus playthrough. So I am. <laughs> I, not only am I playing Bloodborne, I am um, caning and rinsing it, if yes. you will. <laughs> <laughs> the boss that I think that I had possibly the most trouble with overall has been um, Rom, who is the uh, spider boss that you Mm -hmm. fight um, once in the main storyline and then you can encounter again in the chalice dungeons which I did um, and was even more annoying there but uh, overcame but um, so I am not a fan of spiders in the first place giant spiders even less so Um, giant spiders that can summon a bunch of other little spiders that's that's pretty terrible. So um, Bloodborne does go pretty heavy on the spiders and uh, Rom in particular was a kind of uncomfortable boss for me and is also pretty difficult. So um, mm. I I heard this theme a lot when I was playing Bloodborne because I did need to do that fight multiple times. Um, but it's also a very good piece of music. So um, we featured... Uh, multiple pieces from Bloodborne uh, on Sound of Play previously, uh, but this one has not yet been chosen. So uh, this is the one that I uh, that I decided to bring with me. Um, have, have you played any Bloodborne at all? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Excellent. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing that I'm into. Yes. Um, I, I love Bloodborne so much. I'm interested, the Platinum Trophy, does that require gaining mastery over the blood magics, which only really become viable like super late in the game? I'm not sure what the specifics of those trophies are. I know that there are trophies related to all of the hunter weapons, and I'm not sure if those are included. Um, I would I would need to look at my list or the collector's edition guide that I may or may not have ordered mm-hmm. from Amazon <laughs> last week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I'm kind of focusing on one thing at a time and uh, trying to pick up what I don't have. Um, I, I know that you do need to see all of the endings, get all of the weapons, uh, and fight most, if not all, of the optional bosses. So it's a pretty significant undertaking, but I, I'm just enjoying this game so much. I, I love Dark Souls, um, and I did not think when I started Bloodborne that I was going to end up liking it as much as Dark Souls, but I, mm. I think that in the end, I have uh, I've decided that I like it more. Uh, I think it's my favorite of the Souls-like games that I've played so far. Yeah, I definitely sit in the same spot there. Mm. And we, we occasionally hear some Bloodborne music, usually around Halloween time yes. when that comes around, <laughs> but always good to jump back into that. So this is Rom the Vacuous Spider by Yuka Kitamura from Bloodborne.
have another request from the forum. This comes from Mechner, who says, This piece of music perfectly captures the nighttime laziness of Scab Island and Monkey Island 2. It sounds like an old drunken pirate happily swaying through the streets at night to find a bed to lay his head. It's kind of a nice rhyme there. (laughs) Michael Land is a genius for mixing old English folk with reggae. It perfectly sums up Monkey Island in a nutshell. Monkey Island 2 is ironically the second game I ever played, and I was born the year it came out. My sister and I would spend hours playing it on an old IBM PC my family owned. My dad had copied floppies. Another fun rhyme. This guy's on his game today. (laughs) From a friend at work for us to play, which I still have. It is up in my top five game series, and is one of the few things that can always make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. I have opted for the special edition version of the track, as the real flute gives it an extra layer of depth. My friend frequently says how he likes to put this piece of music on repeat as he's falling asleep. Almost a rhyme there. Going three for three. (laughs) Yes, this is Scab Island by Michael Land and Peter McConnell from Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge which is my favorite Monkey Island game as well. A really wonderful one here. <laughs> I have not actually played any of the Monkey Island games, surprisingly. Oh, you really should. I feel like you would like them. <laughs> I probably would, yeah. I, I think that I might have from uh, APS Plus or something of that mm-hmm. nature uh, one of the remakes or the remasters. Um, I should I should really get into that because I bet I would like them. Yeah, I think they're probably easiest to play on the PC because of the mm-hmm. mouse support. Sure. Um, and the, kind of all the clicking you'll have to do. But I've also, I played through the first two Monkey Island special editions on my phone as well. And so oh. it's a very nice interface to use for those. Uh, but I really like this song, Scab Island, because it reminds me so much of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland <laughs> Park down in Anaheim, California, which is where I originally hail from. And so I've ridden that ride a hell of a lot. And <laughs> It uh, specifically reminds me of the opening of the ride. You start in this kind of like a Louisiana marsh uh, before you descend into the pirate's lair. And uh, you're just kind of floating through. It's this really kind of nice, quiet, kind of nighttime scene. Well, one of the, the restaurants kind of borders that part of the ride. And so you can see people eating in this spot that's kind of decorated like a like one of those old southern plantation homes mm. and... You see some crocodiles in the water and the fireflies buzzing up above. And then you uh, go over this waterfall into this cave of pirates. And it's still pretty slow. And you can just hear a few kind of piratey flutes and stuff. They start to play the the song that everybody who, who has or even haven't rode the song who haven't rode the ride know the song. Uh, but I think in particular what brings this what creates this strong sense memory for me when i hear this scab island piece is the it's like a really low like an oboe sound maybe uh, that kind of provides like droning notes in the background of this piece of music that's kind of a bit agnostic of what the rest of the music is doing um, it, it's not always harmonizing with what's going on it creates a a little bit of neat dissonance but it's exactly the same in the pirates of the caribbean ride and i don't know if that was a direct inspiration on the music i know that the ride definitely went on to inspire the games and then uh, in turn the games ended up inspiring the movie which bore the name of the ride and so you know it's all of a it's all a circle do you have any experience with the the disneyland parks so I have been to um, it's Disney World in Florida, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I always get confused as to which is which. Uh, I I have been to Disney World in Florida, and there is a Pirates of the Caribbean ride there. Um, and I, from what you're describing, it sounds like it. If it's not exactly the same, then it is at least very similar. So mm-hmm. yes, I can I can definitely see that. Uh, I actually didn't go to Disney until I was. Uh, quite a bit older than I think a lot of people had who had been to Disney for their first time. I, I think I must have been 21 or 22. I was uh, I was a little bit older, but um, had a lot of fun uh, even then and ended up going for a Christmas that year, which was great. Uh, being around there at that time of the year is, is really yeah. fun. Disneyland and Disney World are kind of spots for um, where game designers especially make pilgrimages to. It's one of those places <laughs> where they kind of recommend game designers go because they do such a good job of creating kind of consistent themes in these uh, yeah. in the worlds that you walk around in and blending themes really seamlessly from 
very different lands, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a lot to learn from. And, uh, you know, really intelligent, you know, painting, building certain colors when they don't want to draw your attention to them and using lights and colors and lines to funnel crowds in certain directions and the same kinds of things that game designers do when yeah. they're creating these 3D worlds. And so, yeah, definitely a... Uh, definitely an excellent place to learn the craft. And I've done a series of videos for the Canon Rents YouTube site about Disneyland in a way, using the uh, Connect Disneyland Adventures as a basis for talking about the history of Disneyland. I think it's a five-part series or something like that. And so if you have any interest in Disneyland or even any interest in seeing really impressive 3D recreations of real spaces, then that is a part of the uh, Waypoint Travel Agency series, which if we continue that, we're going to have to find a new name. (laughs) Thanks, Austin and Patrick. (laughs) We had it first. (laughs) Yes, that's right. We did get to it first. (laughs) But this is Scab Island by Michael Land and Peter McConnell from Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. Next track from me is from a game that, again, I have not played myself, but it doesn't mean that I can't appreciate the music. And I've been on a bit of a, um, say, a Game Boy kick after hearing, I, I think what really inspired me to get into that was the excellent, I think way better than it has any right being, <laughs> Game Boy theme from uh, Robocop, the Game oh, Boy yeah. game. yeah. And yeah, I just like that song was so evocative. I know that that song wasn't exclusive to the Game Boy version, but I think the Game Boy instrumentation really kind of brings the most out of that particular song. But that just got me really into exploring like what else was composed on the Game Boy. And I just love the sound of its speakers and maybe not the speakers, but like what a sound chip could do listening to it on modern speakers. (laughs) Um, But this is a song from Turok 2, Seeds of Evil. This is called Scroll Stage, composed by Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Yeah, it's, it's very, very fast, very fun, very aggressive, but it's kind of a happier piece than I would expect from Turok 2. (laughs) And I can't imagine that a first-person shooter, they probably transitioned this into a third-person game, actually. But uh, yeah, that Turok would translate especially well onto a Game Boy Color. But 
uh, you know, who knows? Leah, I don't suppose that you would have ever played Turok on Game Boy. No, I, I, so I, <laughs> um, I had a Game Boy, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I had a Game Boy, well, I don't know what year I actually got it, but um, I, I, I'm looking at the year on this, and I did not realize that they were still making new Game Boy games in 1998. Um, I want to say that I got mine somewhere around like 88, 89. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early. Uh, that was the first kind of actual system that I owned. I listened to a lot of the games that I had um, because, you know, how it is when you're a kid, you know, you can't always buy your own stuff. So the ones that you do have, you play the um, you play play to death, as it were. And um, I going back to some of those now, I it's it's so easy for some games to have just kind of a lazy or not even lazy, but uninspired, perhaps soundtrack with with the limitations that the Game Boy had. But some people just took those limitations and did everything that they possibly could mm-hmm. with them. And even now, I find that fascinating. Um, that That's something that I guess most recently um, I kind of explored when we did, um, I guess it's been almost a year ago now, when we did the uh, show for uh, Link's Awakening uh, mm-hmm. in the Zelda podcast on the main Kane and Rinse feed. And um, just some of the the things that they did with that system, even knowing that, you know, it, it didn't have that much power, it couldn't put out that much, but just even going back to it now, just looking at how much it actually gave for that uh it's it's pretty cool i think and this this track is uh is a fun one in that vein as well i think yeah this game was a game boy color exclusive Mm. and so it was probably built with a little bit higher specifications Mm -hmm. than the original game boy model games but uh yeah it's, it's still i i don't know i'm still a little confused by that kind of half generational leap between game boy and game boy color i don't know if you could play Game Boy Color games on the old Game Boy, just in black and white or green and black or whatever it is. But um, yeah, because I owned a Game Boy Pocket and my brother had a Game Boy Color back in the day, I think I might have ended up getting a Game Boy Color as well when uh, Pokemon Silver came out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, definitely a lot of a lot of memories going all the way back there. So let's listen to a little bit of Turok Two Seeds of Evil. This is Scroll Stage by Alberto Jose Gonzalez. <laughs>
We have one track left to listen to today, but before we do that, remember you can venture over to our forum at canonrinse.com forum, where you can request your own pieces and we will play them in future episodes. Get in touch with us on Twitter at canonrinse as well. We accept requests in all places you can possibly reach us. As I mentioned earlier, we have another special sound of play coming out in just two more sounds of play. This is 108 in 110. We do our 10th episode specials, which we've done for a long time, ever since Mm -hmm. Sound to Play 50, where we go back and cover an entire series of video games. And this time, I think we bit off a little bit more than we can chew because we have to split (laughs) this one into two specials. Both Sounds of Play 110 and 120 are going to be going through the Sonic the Hedgehog series. There's a lot of music there of quite variable quality, but... (laughs) I can assure you that uh, while we do dredge up a couple of the real stinkers, (laughs) uh, just for fun, um, we're mostly focusing on a lot of the really inventive and just really excellent music that permeates the entire series. This first part goes from the earliest of Sonic's games, Sonic the Hedgehog on the Mega Drive and the Master System, all the way to Sonic's Dreamcast adventures in Sonic Adventure 2 and everything in between. So... Uh, tune in for that next week we've got leon doing his thing i think he's got a special guest again with us and then we will see you again in sound play 110 but before we do that what is this last track that you're bringing us leah it came as uh quite a uh, a dismay to me when i was overlooking the google doc that has all of the uh, sound of plays in it that there has been no mention of persona 5 thus far that's true as you may or may not know i am a fan of the persona series uh and persona 5 came out uh, earlier this year uh it's been out in japan for a little while but uh finally uh made its its western release and um i spent quite a lot of time playing through it once it did come out um it I, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, I don't know that it overtakes three or four for me, but it is definitely mm-hmm. uh, it is definitely at least on its first playthrough uh, something that I, I had a lot of fun with. Um, and this is uh, a track that you will hear a lot of again. Uh, it's kind of a theme as well, a theme within a theme, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, themes that you hear a lot of. Uh, Last surprise um, by Shoji Meguro, uh, who has done most of the persona music thus far and um, particularly in the in the uh, newer games and uh, this is the battle theme that you will hear for uh, most of the encounters that you uh, will will get into and it's very catchy very poppy uh, yeah, I love that opening. <laughs> yeah it's great um, it was between this and uh, the the kind of theme that you hear over the menu um, and or the the kind of intro movie uh, I, I love both of them and perhaps the other one will come up at some point but uh this this <laughs> one out for me um so this is uh last surprise by shoji meguro this is fun it has a little bit of like disco flavor to it yeah. as well which it's this is a very very stylized game yeah <laughs> uh, and, and that's i mean e- even in comparison to the other persona games it's it's got style mm. capital s style <laughs> cool. well we will see you next time Don't you know, no more art, art, art. And as a look to 